0: so we didn't have the ability to take control of the projects or do anything with it we just handed over the money on a basis of a, a loan document but we were unable to you know to get our equity back from the from the projects and they all collapsed uh, when the developer went bankrupt hey!
1: this is property Investory where we talk to successful property investors to find out more about their stories mindset and strategies I'm Tyron Shum and in this episode, we're speaking with buyer's agent and managing director of propertybuyer.com.au, Rich Harvey. Originally from Sydney's North Shore, Harvey studied economics and worked in the public service before starting his investment journey. Tune in to learn about how he got started in the industry and the highs and lows of his journey so far. Having started his buyers agency business in 2001, what does a regular day look like for Harvey?
0: Well, it's no day is is the same, right? Every day is different. I mean, when I started out, um, I was on the tools a lot more. I was out there researching uh, properties. I was I was marketing my services to find new prospective buyers, um, looking at properties, evaluating properties, um, dismissing properties, developing agent databases. Doing everything related to property and running a business. So uh, the days there's never enough hours in the day, particularly as a business owner. As any other business owner would know.
1: When it comes to his clients, Harvey doesn't believe in taking shortcuts. You soon learn to
0: get very smart, uh, not take shortcuts, but to just get very efficient at what you do and how you deliver the service. So you know, my goal is to is to deliver you know really top professional services to any home buyer or investor or aspiring developer that wants to get into the property market and help them to to do that every day of the week.
1: Through various voluntary roles, Harvey is heavily involved in the real estate community and works to shape the industry.
0: I'm the president of the Real Estate Buyers Agent Association, uh, REBA, R-E-B-A-A for short. Um, I've been the president for the last two years. Um, I also serve as the chairman of the Buyers Agents Chapter for the Real Estate Institute of New South Wales. So both of those roles are a voluntary thing. I don't get paid for that. And um, it's just my way of giving back to the industry to help improve standards and ethics and and professional practice in the industry. Because we are, I guess, a fledgling or growing industry. And there's, you know, buyers agencies 10 years ago was not nearly as popular as it is today. And so there's certain regulations and standards that uh, are still growing as we speak. So I, I serve in that role to, to help uh, improve the practices with other businesses as well.
1: He takes his passion for ethics and professional practice into his dealings with his own clients.
0: It's also about transparency. I mean, my brother got stung by one of those two tier marketing groups many, many years ago where they used to fly you up to the Gold Coast and, you know, show you, do you want to take you on a little run around the place and then. And then tell you that there's only two properties left and unless you sign the contract by Sunday night, you're going to lose it. And, uh, <laughs> you know, and it's really sad to get see people get swindled into buying you know, a major asset mm. on the basis of just a couple of hours and, um, and pressure tactics. So that was something that really motivated me to help improve the practice in the industry.
1: Originally from the North Shore of Sydney, Harvey completed his schooling in the area.
0: I grew up in Sydney uh, on the North Shore. And uh, I went to high school at, uh, on the North Shore and um, yeah, um, that, that's that's pretty much it. Just went to a public school for both primary and high school, went to East Linfield Public and Kalara High and um,
1: yeah. After having an interest in property from a young age, Harvey decided to educate himself on investment.
0: My parents weren't, invest- weren't investors at all. Um, My dad was uh, originally a solicitor and then became a marriage counsellor in the second half of his life. Um, So my parents really didn't give me much of a grounding apart from saying, be frugal with your money and and look to invest. Um, I started a gardening business when I was about 14, 15 years old, and that was my first ever business. And I built that up to around 10 clients, and it was the first business I ever sold. So that got me through university. Um, But I always had an interest in property from an early age, just looking to to see that, you know, property was a great way you can leverage. It's a really safe investment. You know, I used to deliver pamphlets around and look at the houses and, and you know, see new houses going up and people doing renovations. I think, wow, wouldn't it be great to own a house one day, you know, when I was riding there on my 10-speed bicycle. And uh, <laughs> so, um, but I think I used to read a lot of books. Um, I used to go to a lot of seminars and um, and that's the way that I got myself educated in, in property.
1: Like many high schoolers, Harvey wasn't sure exactly what he wanted to do. He went on to study a bachelor in economics before going on to do a masters.
0: I studied economics at university. I did a Bachelor of Economics and then I went uh, and did a ma- back and did a Master's degree in economics. Um, it was kind of funny. When I was growing up, I didn't really know what I wanted to be. Everyone at school puts this pressure on you. you say, Rich, what do you want to be when you grow up? And it's like, well, I don't know. I want to be a, a professional golfer or a great, a great boogie boarder or a great surfer. You know, you have these dreams as a kid being a professional, you know, sports star. Mm. Um, but my golfing handicap didn't really get down <laughs> below 20, so that wasn't going to work. So... Um, so I did economics because I quite enjoyed you know, studying finance and money and how it flows and then studying investing. Um, but I, I finished uni um, and then I went to work for the Minister for Transport um, for a period of time. I worked there for about uh, 18 months as uh, what was called a parliamentary liaison officer. So during question time in state parliament, whenever the minister gets asked a question, There's always someone in the background who's done all the research, and that person was me, so I'd always be quickly handing the minister all sorts of briefing folders and that sort of thing. So it was a pretty amazing job to get not far out of university. Uh, It was the lowest rung in the minister's office, but it was still a great start.
1: He continued his education and worked his way up the ranks in environmental economics.
0: And then I went back to uni full-time, did a master's degree, finished that, and then I uh, looked for a job for a while, and I got one with the Forestry Commission as their economist. So I... um, I always had an interest in, in trees and wood and forestry, so I used to uh, work there for a number of years. Then I switched over and I became interested in environmental economics, and um, one of the things I used to do was to um, crunch numbers on valuing the environmental costs and benefits, and I got a job with the EPA, the Environment Protection Authority, as their senior economist, and I did that for about five years. Um, so I worked on things like uh, water pollution controls, air pollution issues, Um, the Clean Water Act and a whole bunch of other regulatory things. So my job was to analyze for government the costs and benefits of implementing new environmental regulations but they were really good at evaluating the costs, but no one was very good at evaluating the benefits of environmental improvements and um, so we helped to develop um, a whole range of techniques to do that.
1: After a while, Harvey set his sights on investing and quickly managed to get his taxable income down to zero through investment
0: kind of got a bit bored with just crunching numbers on a spreadsheet and I started to that's when I really started to ramp my property investing journey. And I'd catch the train to work every day. I'd read a book a week. I'd go to at least one seminar every couple of weeks and I'd talk to people and really wanted to ramp up my education because I figured I don't want to be stuck in the rat race for the rest of my life. I want to do something I really enjoy doing every day. And and that's really how I got on the property investment track. So I started teaching people How to buy properties. Um, And when I was in government, I was one of the few people to pay zero tax because I was, I'd managed to buy enough properties um, to actually reduce my taxable income to to virtually zero. And so people would, you know, in the HR department go, Rich, how do you pay no tax? And I go, it's easy, you just do it this way. So I thought there's a niche to start helping, you know, people along their property investment journey.
1: He explains how he managed to reduce his taxable income this way.
0: At the time, my income at the time wasn't that high, so it wasn't too hard. It depends how much tax you're paying; <laughs> it's all relative. But you know, but uh, at the time, it, it really involved buying about three properties, um, three to four properties at the time, and uh, yeah, you know they were fairly new properties. Not all brand new, but some of them were fairly new. And so, once you crunch the numbers on that, it actually um, you fill in it used to be called the two two one D, and now called the it's now called the tax withholding variation, section fifteen fifteen, of the tax act. So you can, if you know what your tax deductions are going to be for the year, uh, you submit the form and instead of um, your employer taking the tax out every week, um, it actually goes into your wage because you know it'll be claimed back at the end of the year. So you actually get to claim your tax on a fortnightly basis, uh, which is a much better system for for investors.
1: Coming up after the break, we'll hear about Harvey's first property purchase.
0: That was brilliant because we're able to then, by subdividing and building on the back of that house... That really released and created a lot of equity for us.
1: To the heartbreaking era that almost cost him his portfolio and his marriage. We ended up
0: losing all of that money um, and that was the worst possible thing because we'd taken years and years to develop that equity.
1: How he learned to rebuild after such a tragic loss.
0: One of my best investments was buying a house that already had a granny flat attached and that was a brilliant strategy.
1: All that and much more coming up next. I'm Tyrone Shum and you're listening to Property Investory. Since buying his first property in 1993, Harvey believes the best strategy is to always create more equity, whether through a granny flat, renovation or subdivision.
0: First start investment was the first home after we, uh, my wife and I got married, we bought a property in Pennant Hills and that was our first home and I consider that still an investment even though it's a home um, because that's where a lot of people start making their, their equity that so they can mm. use to then leverage from to invest into other things. So we bought a very large block of land which had an old classic you know, post-war 1950s, 1945 type home on it um, and we were able to subdivide off the back and that was brilliant because we were able to then by subdividing and building on the back of that house, that really released and created a lot of equity for us to invest into other properties. So, that was a great way that we were able to, to really add value to the existing block and leverage it to go forward.
1: Harvey then moved his family into a newly built house and rented out the front.
0: We did sell that. That was our principal place of residence, so we obviously we we, we traded that, sold it, moved into the back house, and then we've since we've since moved that into and moved into another home now as well.
1: Okay, so uh, you've sold those properties, and um, when you sold those properties, what happened next? So we uh, we didn't sell that one straight away. We just
0: moved into the back, and then we basically still we were paying that that home loan uh, down for a number of years. And that's when I was working in government for that period of time and realizing that I had to start getting on the property investment track. So we then started to, to buy some investment properties and um, uh, uh, yeah, that's, that's how we got onto it.
1: To begin with, Harvey didn't have a strong investment strategy except to start to grow his portfolio and tackle each individual property with the best strategy for it.
0: I didn't really to be honest I didn't have a strategy when I first started I wish I did and that's what I teach a lot of people today it's very important to to come up with a very clear mandate as to what you're going to do with your your property and there's no one size fits all you know your strategy is going to depend on your age and stage your risk profile and your financial capacity so at that time I just knew that I needed to get an investment property and um and sort of the mantra of the day was, you know, at the time was, you know, buy something in a in a good area, close to amenities and very very new because you can maximise depreciation. Mm. Um, and now that's not always the case. You know, buying brand new means you're actually paying a developer's margin. Uh, it may mean that you're paying a slightly inflated price. And my message to investors these days is probably 98% or well, 95% of properties are better off to buy established properties than, than brand new. Mm. Um, particularly when you're heading into the peak of the market. But I'm getting off track a bit now. So. <laughs> but, <laughs> that's, but look, that's uh, a, I jump into giving advice, Tyrone, there you go. But, that's you okay. Know, I think that the first thing is is I didn't really have a strategy but my strategy has definitely evolved over time mm. uh, from buying a simple investment property to doing rentals, uh to then doing small developments.
1: He made a risky decision to buy off the plan yet got lucky that the market continued to rise so he had no issues at settlement. So we started to buy a couple of property. We bought a couple off the plan, and
0: um, fortunately, we bought them at the right time as the market was rising. It was really, you know, you look at the property clock, and if you're going to ever do off the plan, which is not a, a highly recommended strategy, it is a much riskier strategy. The only time you can really possibly do it safely is when, you know, you're at sort of that eight or nine o'clock on the on the property clock as the market's rising. Because if you buy to the peak of the market, you're going to have settlement risk or, or valuation risk, uh, which could be uh, quite an issue. Um, and uh, so, yeah, so we bought a couple of those and, um, and that serviced us, us really well. And then we started buying established properties after that.
1: From those riskier ideas came the knowledge and experience to implement safer choices such as renovation.
0: The, the renovations came a lot later uh, once we sort of you know, got more experienced in, in doing that. And the developments were, well, I'll tell you a story in a moment, but uh, uh, we, do, we sort of look toward doing developments a bit further down the track.
1: Harvey shares the biggest investment mistake he's made to date and the importance of having sound legal advice on big development projects.
0: Not everybody gets it right, not even the experts get it right. I guess for us the worst moment was when we we we'd bought a bunch of or a couple of properties and we had a bit of equity and we were introduced uh, through a financial planner, mind you, to a developer. And the developer was offering amazing returns. So we thought at the time naively of around 20%. So we wow. thought, wow, that's amazing. And it's all secured against property. Um, and basically we were a passive going to become a passive developer you know, with this particular developer. Um, so he was offering these great returns. And, um, I guess the biggest mistake to make that we made was not securing and not getting enough legal advice on the type of security we had over the loan that we made to the, to the developer. So the the documentation we had was very weak and uh, we basically invested large amounts of money with this developer and he had projects in very good areas you know they were in uh, Northbridge and Rose Bay and and other other areas that are really you know, strong markets mm. but this developer uh, grew way too quickly he was um, incompetent in managing money Um, And we thought, you know, we had the money invested there for a couple of years and we thought, oh, look at this, our money is multiplying on paper really, really well. But in actual fact, uh, we ended up losing all of that money. Um, And that was the worst possible thing because we'd taken years and years to develop that equity. And then, you know, and he kept promising, yes, the money's coming, the money's coming, and it was always going to be coming, but it never came back.
1: The toll of the financial strain of this decision was felt hard by Harvey and his family.
0: That was a very, very heart-wrenching, um, you know, time in our lives. Really difficult for our marriage and and other reasons, and so it was a, a really difficult time. We basically you know, lost about seventy, eighty percent of our net worth by investing with this developer, who we at the time believed in. Uh, but ended up taking most of our money. So he misappropriated the funds and he got charged with fraud and a whole bunch of other stuff. So oh, wasn't someone we should ever have been associated with. And so that was a, a very salient lesson to learn and the pain still is very strong to this day.
1: While it was a challenging time, Harvey had to learn this lesson the hard way and won't make the same mistake in the future.
0: The lesson was there: make sure your security is, is secure. And so we didn't have enough strings to pull the money back. We weren't a joint venture. We were a passive investor in that development. So, we didn't have the ability to take control of the projects or do anything with it. We just handed over the money on a basis of a, a loan document, um, but we were unable to you know to get our equity back from the from the projects, and they all collapsed uh, when the developer went bankrupt. So it was a very, very difficult lesson to learn.
1: He also shares with us a positive moment of realization that shaped his career in portfolio.
0: The aha moment was. Um, when I was doing a number of courses, I bought some uh, software uh, called PIA Property Investment Analysis, and um, because I used to play with spreadsheets all the time, it was a really great great program. and uh, And I suddenly realised that you, you don't need a lot of money to invest in property. A lot of people think you need you know millions of dollars to invest in property, but once I worked out how the banks lend money and how leverage works, and 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 all the tax depreciation benefits you get. Um, to actually hold a property, you know, a decent property at the time was like five or fifteen or twenty dollars a week. I think that was the after tax holding cost for a, for a good quality growth property. And I went, I said to my wife, "This is incredible. Look at this. You, this is you can control quite a large sum of property without a huge amount of cash. And as long as you're going to have a long term horizon, you're not trading the property every year. Uh, then there's a way. So it was really when I went through that that program and actually looked at all of the numbers, how the how the cash flow works. That was my aha moment to realise, wow, anyone can do this on a moderate income. You don't have to be earning you know, $400,000 a year to own a sizable property. I've seen people earning $60,000 or $70,000 a year, you know, continually with financial diligence, buy some really good properties and they just manage their cash flow to to afford those properties. So that was my aha moment.
1: It is clear that Harvey's go-getter attitude has allowed him to quickly and easily rebuild his impressive portfolio of previous years. To my confidential point
0: of view, I mean, look at—I at, mean, before before I lost all the, all the money that I haven't developed, I had 14 properties, um, and I'd built those up very very quickly. Some of them I'd bought off plan and had to be yet to be settled, but um, we'd, we'd accumulated them quite quickly, um, which was great. But we ended up going back to one property, <laughs> and wow. then I've had to re- rebuild from there. So. Uh, I've really had two goes of building a portfolio, so not not a highly recommended method, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> one that builds character and resilience at any, at any state. But um, like when I started out, we were just buying, uh, you know, well-located apartments um, and then we progressed from there to, to buying houses. Um, one of my best investments was buying a house that already had a granny flat attached and that was a brilliant strategy from a perspective of cash flow and growth. Um, A lot of people say, oh, but if you add a granny flat, don't you devalue the property? I totally reject that idea. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, you increase the value of the property. And if you look at anywhere in a metro area that's got a granny flat, they're highly sought after. Everybody wants a supplementary form of income. Um, Even if you don't want the income and you just want to put noisy teenagers in there or (laughs) grandma (laughs) for what is literally called a granny flat, then you've got that opportunity too. So, Granny Flats has been a, a really good investment for us and, uh, and I always smile when I see the, uh, uh, the property statement come in every month and uh, showing the positive cash flow that it's generating.
1: Thank you to Rich Harvey, our guest on this episode of Property Investory. If you want to hear more stories like this, visit propertyinvestory.com.